Hello, and welcome to the Harrisburg Huddle, the Penn State Harrisburg podcast. One of the great strengths of our campus is our location. Located just next door to the Pennsylvania State Capitol, our students have many opportunities to interact with state leaders, nonprofits, state agencies, and large and important organizations in the Commonwealth. A key part of this opportunity is our Masters of Public Administration program. Today, Assistant Professor of Public Policy and Administration, Dr. Dan Mallinson, sat down with Luke Yingling, a 2019 graduate of the MPA program. Together, they discussed his experience as a student here and how it informed and benefited his career. I'm Dan Mallinson. I'm an Assistant Professor of Public Policy and Administration here at Penn State Harrisburg, and I'm pleased today to be speaking to one of our fantastic alumni, Luke Yingling. Um, he graduated the program a couple of years ago and has been working in uh, the legal sector. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about the program, about his experience and his career. So to get started, I will just ask Luke to tell us a little bit about himself and his background. Absolutely. So obviously my journey led me to the master's program here. Uh, but before that, grew up in West Virginia, spent my whole life there, grew up in a small town called Ona in the, in the southwest corner of the state. Um, went on to play baseball in college, had an athletic scholarship, academic scholarship, so I enjoyed that for a while. But after three years of that, I got an opportunity to work in state government. And so worked for the state senate, got to see how the sausage is made, and I really loved that experience. And so after that, I was pretty convinced I wanted to go on to do studies along those lines, looking at government, how government functions. And so that's what led me here to Penn State. Uh, but after that, I went on, got my law degree back in West Virginia at WVU. Um, and then it was during that time I founded my company where I work now, uh, and that's a company that focuses on legal analytics. All right. So walk us through, why did you choose to pursue an MPA specifically, and what led you to Penn State Harrisburg? Yeah, so I was interested in a couple of different degrees initially, uh, including a law degree, which I eventually went on to do. Um, but before that, I knew I had a strong research interest. And I knew I was interested in subjects like public policy, public administration, political science. So I'd done political science as an undergrad. I felt like I was well-rounded there. Uh, but I knew that when I went on to study at the master's level, I was really interested in learning more about the nuts and bolts of government, how it functions, um, how to execute on ideas. Um, and so that was more interesting to me than learning more about political philosophy and those types of things that I might have gotten in a political science program. And so that's sort of what made uh, that decision easier, especially as I had witnessed so much going on in state government already. And that experience in state government was exciting for me because you got to be really intimately engaged with the policymaking process in a way that I wouldn't have been able to do if I was with a federal, uh, in a federal position with a federal agency or whatever it may have been. So I was convinced that state government would be a good place to go. Uh, so being in the state capitol here made a lot of sense. And then also there was the, uh, teaching assistant and research assistant program here that became a great fit for me. So those things were, were decisive in, in choosing Penn State Harrisburg. And of course, the experience of uh, working on research projects with you led us to publish a paper together. And that background in sort of research methods, understanding of government was really foundational to what I went on to do, which was founding a company looking at uh, different types of research around judges and courts and briefs. Before we get into more about the specifics of the program and your experience here, mm -hmm. you mentioned that you considered law school right. coming right out of undergrad, which, which is a common path for a lot of political science uh, undergrads, but you did the MPA first. And right. I'm just curious if you could expand on that, why um, you did the MPA first and 
what benefit you think that may have provided as you then went on to to pursue law school? Yeah, so I took a hard look at law school right out of undergrad and I decided not to even apply because I was pretty convinced I wanted to go the research route. I was interested in eventually doing a PhD. And so I'd interviewed with PhD programs right out of undergrad. I really thought that was the route I wanted to go. So I wanted to get a master's first. Um, and so this became the, the perfect landing spot where I got to focus on all those research interests of mine uh, and have the flexibility to look at you know different research questions of mine because law school is really not a place where people get to explore those interests very much. And so ultimately, through some of the conversations you and I had, um, realized that the transferability of skills in a law degree was really significant to me. Um, and I was still able to explore some of those research interests on the side during law school. Ultimately, we went through peer review and published our paper during that time. Um, but it was for those reasons that I decided to do MPA instead of a law degree. A lot of my friends went on to go to law school straight away. Uh, but I felt like when I did decide law school was right, I felt like I came in with a big advantage having done a master's degree first. So let's let's keep on the thread since you brought it up of uh, your research experience mm -hmm. in the program. Um, talk a little bit more about that, about your experience as a research assistant, and then um, us working on the project about evidence-based policymaking in the States. Yeah, so as an undergrad, um, I had an interest in, in research, particularly around courts and specialty court programs. So I was interested in drug courts in particular, which was a sort of a significant development during my time as an undergrad in West Virginia. Those programs were really sort of starting to bubble up. Um, so I was doing research on that, how it was producing return on investment for the state. Um, and so that sort of was a foundational interest of mine coming into the program. I didn't yet know um, what I came to learn here about federalism policy diffusion, those sorts of topics that you and I spent time on. Um, but coming into it, I knew that there was going to be a strong research interest around state government, interaction between state and federal and local governments. And so that was sort of the foundational interest that led me in those directions. And then the time I spent with you working on your book, um, looking at policy diffusion, doing a meta-analysis of, of different articles, uh, served as a perfect foundation, read a lot of uh, literature on the topic. And so that sort of informed my interest and, and pushed in that direction. Ultimately, obviously, we published about um, evidence-based policymaking, um, looking at really a, a political science topic through a public administration type of lens. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting angle, and that's sort of the feedback we got about that paper. Yeah, great. So let's, let's pick up now then on that thread about state government. Mm -hmm. So we are uh, Penn State Harrisburg. We're, we're in Middletown, so we're just down the street from Harrisburg. We have a lot of involvement in state government and also in the city. Um, so could you talk a little bit about uh, the advantages of that? And also you had some experience doing an internship while you were here. Right. Um, so one of the things that I found exciting about the program here was that I had interviewed with other MPA programs. Some of them would offer to pay your tuition for both years. Some would offer to give you some kind of stipend. But what the program here offered was tuition and stipend fully covered for the first year with the idea being that in the second year you would transition into a paid role uh, in state government. And that's exactly the path that I followed. And like I said before, I was interested in being in one of these unique positions where you can engage directly with policymaking. Um, in a more intimate way than what you might have with a federal position. Um, so that's exactly what I did. So after my first year being a research assistant with you, 
went on to work for the state's opioid command center here. So then Governor Wolf had declared a state of emergency around opioid crisis, set up the opioid command center. And so I got to work in this group that included, I think it was 16 or 17 state agencies, all collaborating with the opioid command center at the center of that. Um, so that was an excellent way to learn about policymaking and the executive side of things uh, involving numerous agencies. And I got to be you know, right there in the middle of it. So that was a really exciting experience for me. And now that experience also built on some experience you had in undergrad That's right. and eventually then in law school, correct? That's right. So when I was an undergrad, I was interested in drug courts and those sorts of things, like I said. Um, and then when I was a law student, I went to work for the West Virginia's Office of Drug Control Policy. So I was engaged with issues around substance use, um, specialty programs to help people in those uh, suffering with addiction. And so that was a, a trend that carried from undergrad through my master's program and on into law school. So let's talk now a little bit about the program itself. Um, can you give you know, the viewers a an, an brief understanding of the types of courses that you took and uh, maybe what were some of your favorite classes to take? Right. Um, so I knew that the flexibility in the program was something important to me. There were numerous tracks that you can take focusing on different subject matter areas. I knew that the nonprofit direction wasn't quite right for me and I wanted to focus more on government research related topics. So research methods class that I had with you was really important to me. Um, working with some of those statistical softwares was really interesting and important to me. Became really relevant for me later on when I was in law school and started my own company. Um, but some of the other courses I enjoyed were ones looking at various issues of state government. I think you had a, a course where we had a survey of all different types of various problems afflicting state governments across mm -hmm. the country. Those were interesting to me. Um, so there were several courses, but it was the flexibility in the program, the ability to, to pick and choose uh, off a menu what things you wanted to focus on and make it your own, create your own experience. That was important to me. And I was also able to do a thesis style paper instead of a capstone, which was important to me as well. And it was that paper that we went on to publish together, ultimately, uh, a version of it. Sure. So, so for those who are watching, there's the MPA program requires a capstone project, which is usually a team-based research project that is fairly practically oriented, which makes a lot of sense for students who are interested in going into public management. But for those who have a research interest, you can work directly with a faculty member on a research project, which is what we did for the evidence-based policymaking. Right. Okay, so another theme to talk about uh, is mentorship in the program, and mm -hmm. you're working with faculty. You know, of course, there was our relationship, which we can talk a little bit more about, but then also, you know, I'm one of, of several faculty in the program and in the School of Public Affairs here at Penn State Harrisburg. So you could talk a little bit about your interactions with the faculty, mm -hmm. mentorship that you received yeah. while you were here. It's something really significant that you don't get in a, in a law degree for example. So when I went to law school after this experience, I asked some people, you know, is there sort of a mentorship program or is there, you know, is there a way of getting in touch with faculty and talking about research ideas? And that really didn't exist. And then my understanding is that it really doesn't exist in, in any other law program. Um, it's something unique about the master's experience that we had here that was really special for me. Um, being able to sort of sift, sift through, sort through different research ideas, um, figuring out how to operationalize, you know, research along those lines. That was really important to me. And so that was really important to my development and, and maturation. Um, 
So that was significant. And I know that a lot of other faculty members in the program had a similar relationship with other research assistants. So I know it's not unique to me. It's something that happens here with a lot of folks on campus uh, looking at different research projects and then interests beyond that, you know, practical things, looking at state government, nonprofit, all those topics. Yeah. And a lot of that happens through conversations, right? Mm -hmm. We would have a lot of conversations when you were my research assistant, but then also after about right. research, about career. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I find with, with a lot of students in the program. Um, and it's a nice part of a residential program. You know, we also have an online program and that provides different advantages for different students as well, including geographic disbursement. But one advantage of residential part of the program is, is that contact time, you know, with faculty and, and having those conversations. Yeah, and something else that I found really useful was the ability to take so many classes in the evening because once I transitioned out of the research assistant role and into the state government role, I was able to work full-time um, every day of the week. That internship turned into a full-time job that I continued on there um, through the summers and everything. Um, but the flexibility to come in and take classes in the evening was another thing that was significant, allowed you to take advantage of the opportunities being here in the state capitol. So let's talk now a little bit about uh, your trajectory then after the program. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little more about what you're doing now, about law school, but also your company, um, and how the MPA you know, helped in that trajectory. Yeah, so uh, becoming accustomed to reading large, large <laughs> amounts of information and, and digesting that, um, figuring out how to synthesize that and, and make use of it in a practical way, something developed in a master's program that's extremely important in law school. Law school's famous for making you read just loads and loads of cases, and that's true, that's exactly what you do. Um, but having had that experience, especially doing literature reviews for some of our research projects was a really important thing. Um, so that helped me out a lot. I felt like I had a leg up because of that. But law school, parts of it, I really enjoyed. Parts of it were not so fun. I think that's pretty much everybody's experience with law school. Um, but through, through the time that I spent here looking at research problems, understanding that this is really one of, one of my major areas of interest is research methods, sort of coming up with ways that are unique to, to operationalize, you know, the measurement of different variables and things. Um, that was really important to me, and I, I wanted to find a way to use that knowledge while I was in law school. And so I started looking at different research projects, and eventually I realized that there was something more to come out of that, those interests along understanding judges and how they think, their emotions, um, how they reason in a legal way. Um, and so that led me in the direction of starting a company. So ultimately the problem we're trying to solve is you could articulate it a few different ways. Uh, but the, the basic problem is that if you're a litigator who's working on a case, there are different ways of, of pulling in information. Some of them are just reading cases, reading lots of cases, but they're also analytics that help pull insight out of that loads and loads of data that exists. So there are different levels of analytics though that could help a litigator. There's descriptive analytics, which just describes what happened in the past, and then it sort of leaves it to the litigator to figure out how do I practically apply this information and can I practically apply it to the case for any sort of advantage. Beyond that, there's predictive, so it's gonna predict the outcome of motions in a case, which can be useful um, but again, knowing that, you know, Judge X is 5% more likely to rule for the defense than the plaintiff on a motion is only so practically useful if it doesn't also tell you how to move the needle in your client's favor. 
And so we wanted to go a step beyond that, which hadn't really been done in legal, uh, which is prescriptive analytics, sort of helping prescribe some of the language, some of the argument types that you should employ as a litigator to persuade a judge in your client's favor. And that's what we wanted to do. That was an unmet need that I sort of saw in legal. Uh, and so that's what we went after. And so now we're looking at a couple things principally. One is judge sentiment. What are the emotional things that judges say about different sets of legal facts? Um, so if you're working on a water pollution case, let's say, and you want to see the emotional language that a judge has used about those types of facts in the past, we can populate a list of quotes about that. Um, but also, if you're making a lot of arguments in your brief for a judge, and let's say it's a textualist judge, and you're not making very many textualist arguments, we can point that out and help you remedy that problem so you can make a brief that's more persuasive to that judge. And so it really does take us to the level of prescribing uh, the right course of action for a litigator to help persuade a judge in their client's favor. And that's something we really hadn't seen, that kind of custom-tailored information for litigators to take advantage of. So the idea is that you can provide a competitive advantage, but it also provides some efficiencies as well and, and can produce return on investment. And can you share the company's name? Sure. Okay. So the company, the legal name is Analytica Legalis, which is Latin for legal analytics. We learned that name's pretty difficult to pronounce. Not a, not a brilliant <laughs> insight. Uh, so we're changing it to rhetoric, which is, describes something about what we're doing. It mm -hmm. sort of encapsulates it nicely. Um, and the feedback about that name is much better than for Analytica Legalis. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, great. Well, so one of the other things that we've continued on is doing, well, really a new research project that you mm -hmm. brought to, to me. Um, that again links, you know, my interest in state government and policy diffusion, which is just the spread of, of policies, particularly among the states. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, why, you know, you continue to do some academic research and also your, your ongoing connections with the school? Yeah. So part of the reason that I went in the path that I did, um, raising capital to start a company was because it provides a lot of, um, provides you a lot of latitude to explore different interests of yours. And so obviously through the company, we spend a lot of time on research, um, but it also allows me to go do these side projects where I can look at uh, publishing papers about things that just happen to be of interest to me. Um, so I think the paper working on now is, is pretty significant in a couple different ways. It's definitely an ambitious paper in terms of the number of things it wants to talk about and, and sort of the new concept of federalism it puts forward. Um, but to give sort of a background on the paper, I mean, we're looking at some of the shifting uh, that we're seeing in, in our federalist structure in the United States. Uh, we're seeing that states are sometimes resorting to courts to enact policy change. Um, so sometimes what that looks like is states passing laws that they may believe are either right on the outskirts or maybe even beyond the limits of Supreme Court precedent um, in hopes of initiating review by the Supreme Court, pushing it up the ladder of uh, the federal court system. Um, so that's an interesting trend that's noteworthy by itself, but there's also an interest group aspect to this, looking at how interest groups um, work on model legislation, they put it through state legislatures. And so there's a collaboration there that's really interesting and noteworthy. And so I think it's, I think it's a significant paper for a couple different reasons. Uh, so it's been exciting to work on. Yeah, it's always nice to have those ongoing connections with, uh, with our students, even as they move forward from Penn State Harrisburg. You're also, you've agreed to be on our advisory board, which is That's right. I didn't know you knew that. Fantastic. I do. I, well, I was the one that recommended <laughs> I you. I figured. <laughs> I figured. Um, 
So, and that's really important actually because our program is accredited by uh, NASPA, which is an accrediting organization for public mm -hmm. affairs programs. Um, and so that means the program meets certain standards. And one of the things we do, we're, we're going through reaccreditation now to be accredited for the next, I think it's four to five years. Um, and, you know, one of the things that NASPA wants to see is, is us have outside eyes on things like our mission and our vision and mm -hmm. our core structure and things like that. So we have an advisory board that includes uh, alumni that are working in a variety of different areas to give us that kind of feedback. Yeah. Um, so and it's also a way, again, for us to keep engaged with with alumni. So we appreciate you being a part of it. Yeah, that. absolutely. It's my yeah. pleasure. Yeah. So we've talked about our work together and our research work together. Are there other faculty that you worked with while you were at Penn State Harrisburg? And you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I got to work with some other faculty looking at criminal justice issues. And so that involved me spending a lot of time um, leading, reading literature reviews about a whole bunch of different issues uh, in criminal justice. Um, a number of issues, which also involved some things around substance use. Uh, so it kind of built off my work in public policy, looking at, you know, Office of Drug Control Policy in different states, Opioid Command Center work that I ultimately did here. Um, but it built off that, and it was an interesting thing being able to work across departments uh, with other faculty outside of the MPA program. So that was a good way to get an outside perspective on some different issues. Yeah, and I want to pick up on that because it relates to what you said earlier about the flexibility of the program. Mm -hmm. So we are a master's in public administration program, but we're within the School of Public Affairs at Penn State Harrisburg. And the school has not only public administration, but also has political science, public policy, criminal justice, health policy and administration, and homeland security. Mm -hmm. And so we attract a lot of students that will take the core MPA courses, which are things like research methods, budgeting, organizational theory, um, human resources, and then they will kind of wrap around that with the elective courses, not only courses from our program, but also from those other programs. So somebody can come in with an interest, say, in criminal justice, either policy or working in the criminal justice system, earn their MPA, but focus their electives on criminal justice. Or again, we have that a lot with the Homeland Security program, um, which Homeland Security is uh, an entirely online program. And what that allows for students to do is they can kind of have a hybrid program where they take some of our courses in person or even in our online program, and then they can take MPA courses online, or sorry, Homeland Security courses online as well. So that's one advantage of the school is that we are broader than just public administration and students can focus in those different areas um, beyond the traditional public administration. So um, I think that's an advantage here for our school as well, and that's, that's a good example of that. You also picked up on the, um, we've talked a bit about um, addiction and, and opioids, which is a big issue in Pennsylvania, also in, in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Penn State more broadly, but also Penn State Harrisburg has built a focus on. So there's the um, consortium for substance use and abuse at, at broadly at Penn State uh, that I'm a part of and, and many other faculty are part of. And then here at Penn State Harrisburg, we have the Douglas Pollock Center, which they work directly with community organizations that are doing, um, that are working on the opioid epidemic mm -hmm. and helping those um, addicted to opioids. And there's been a lot of 
collaboration there between our school and the Pollock Center and some of those initiatives um, that I think continues to grow. And there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning too about our program that uh, Penn State Harrisburg is like geographically, we're, we're located close to the Capitol, but we are also located close to Penn State's Dickinson School of Law mm -hmm. and the Penn State Hershey Medical Center. Mm -hmm. And so we have a joint MPA JD program that, that students can take advantage of with Dickinson. We also have students that will go to Dickinson afterwards for law school. And then um, with, the law, with the medical college, or with the College of Medicine, I should say, we have uh, students who will do public health work over there, take public health courses, um, or intern at the hospital, or, you know, or intern in health administration. So that's another nice thing about our geographic location, is that it's not just our campus, but we have some other important Penn State campuses that students will uh, We'll take courses at and do research at and intern at. So could you could you share with us some maybe some anecdotes or things that you learned during your graduate school experience here that that you would share with people who are considering grad school? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing for me was I, I came in with this idea that, you know, research for me was a primary interest. I knew that it remained a primary interest all the way through the program. Um, but I thought that looked like, uh, you know, that's going to carry me towards academia. Um, I realized pretty quickly that's not really where I wanted to be, even though that was still my primary interest. Um, ultimately, I decided that's going to look like something in the private sector, something with a think tank. Um, those things were much more aligned with my interest over time. And I don't think I would have discovered that, except for being in a program like this one, where you had the flexibility to explore a whole range of interests. Um, so that was a significant thing that came out of being in the program. Um, and then again, the flexibility to look at, you know, doing a thesis rather than a capstone was really important because that allowed us to publish the paper. And publishing that paper gave me a lot of credibility when I went to raise funding from investors uh, to show that, you know, I know something about research methods and there's this background, I've been through peer review. Um, and one of the other things that's really interesting that I'll note is that um, there are studies about, you know, what is it, what's the best predictor of success for a startup? The best predictor is having been in a startup before. Um, and so I don't have that prior startup experience, but I think there's something um, somewhat similar in having done research because you're taking an idea, you're sending it out, you know, putting it out in the world, exposing it to criticism through the peer review process. And so that ability to iterate, to put an idea out in the world, get feedback, mature the idea, um, that's really significant. And that's pretty similar to what startups do as they're finding out where their niche is, where's their market, um, how do they produce something that's important, significant, um, you know, in the eye of the beholder. Um, so that's a significant thing that I was able to do through the program that I'm not sure would have done elsewhere. So do you have any, uh, any advice for students who are considering graduate school for being successful in graduate school? Sure. Um, there's a lot of cliches about what you put into it is what you get out of it and those sorts of uh, pieces of advice. But I think there's a lot of truth in that. Um, if you know that you want to push your career in a certain uh, direction, um, you can really move the ball down the field during your master's program or during your, your law degree or whatever it may be. Um, I saw, you know, these different times in my education journey um, as free runway to work on things on the side that were significant to me. So 
During the master's program, I saw that as a runway to work on a research project that was important and interesting to me. During law school, I saw that as free runway to work on a startup. And so I think for people who have a lot of interest and want to explore them during the program, that also provides you with some runway to look into other things in other areas of your life. Um, and having that passion, being able to explore it simultaneous to doing the education, I think that's really important, really valuable. Well, Luke, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I appreciate you continuing to engage with the program. And, and personally, I appreciate getting to see you after, after a few years and actually since before the pandemic. So yeah. it's nice to, to meet in person and chat. Um, so if you're interested in more information about our program, you can contact us. You can also go to the Penn State Harrisburg website and find the Master's in Public Administration. And we'd be happy to answer any of your questions. So thank you so much, Luke. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure.